You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. I miss seeing you all in the middle of the week, and I'll invite you to stand with me. We will go to the Lord in prayer to begin our time in his word. Wasn't uh, Pastor Tom's lesson last week just fantastic about the Apostle John? I enjoyed that very much from Branson, Missouri. We finished the quiz season last week and just another epic season, um, and I'm thankful for that. And um, I want to just invite everybody to come into the sanctuary and take a moment and wave to somebody around you. Congratulate them for making it to the middle of the week and making it to the house of God. It's no small thing to do those things, right? I'm so glad to see everybody here. Um, But we want to go to the Lord in prayer. Um, As I'm sure many of you are aware, um, there are several who are sick and needing a touch from the Lord, and we want to remember them in prayer tonight. Um, Also, been prayerful and mindful about uh, our students who are going back to school and uh, want to pray God's protection and covering on them. Obviously, we need to pray for our world. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. We just need the Lord's touch. We need his wisdom for the days that we're living in. And thankfully, all we have to do is ask, and he has promised to supply what we need. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and just invite the Lord into this time of Bible study. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your goodness and mercy that you have promised would follow us all the days of our lives. I thank you, Lord, for this great congregation that has gathered on a Wednesday night to hear your word and to be fed by your hand. I pray, Lord, that you would cover this time. Let your messengers be anointed. Lord, let your word speak clearly to us. Give us what we need. You alone know what we need to hear. Give us peace, Lord, through your word tonight. We pray for those who are sick among us who are unable to be here. We pray for a miraculous touch of your healing, for your blood to flow through them, Lord, through their needs. Give them peace. Give them comfort. Give them the strength of the Holy Ghost. We pray now for our students, God, as they head into a new school year. We pray for divine protection, for your favor upon their lives, your blessing in everything that they do. We need your help, God, in this world that we're living in. I pray that you would give us the wisdom, Lord, that is required to shine brightly for you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much for being in the house of the Lord. Well, we have a special treat for you tonight. We have two Bible school students that are going to be teaching on two different Bible characters. I want to appreciate Jenna Tokash and Allie Airwood for agreeing to teach Growth University. Why don't you give them a hand? This is an important assignment, but I just want to introduce them both to you so that they can teach back-to-back. They're going to be a tag team. They were already besties, and so now they're going to teach together. That's pretty amazing, Um, but I'm so proud of them um, as women of God, and they have acknowledged the calling of God on their lives for uh, several years now. Uh, Jenna is one of our Bible Quiz alumni, and Allie is a TCA alumni, so they are homegrown girls. These are our girls, and I am so 
proud of them and their willingness to acknowledge the call of God that is on their lives and pursue the call of God that is on their lives. And part of the DNA of this church is to invest in the next generation, not just in terms of Sunday school and in-house teaching, but we want to equip them for the ministry because that is what the Word of God says the church's job is to do. And so um, I'm going to invite Jenna to come first and share with us from the Word of the Lord what he has put on her heart. Would you just welcome her, give her lots of amens? She's going to do a great job. Hi, everybody. So before I get started, I don't know if you can see me. Um, I wanted to thank Pastor Tom and Pastor Kristen for allowing me the opportunity to speak to you all. I don't take it lightly, and I hope that you all can be blessed as much as I have been from just studying this character. And as Sister Ellis said, I do go to Indiana Bible College, and one of the classes that I take, or I took last semester, was Ladder Prophets. And Um, I want to give honor to my campus pastor who taught this class, Brother Turner, because he did a very in-depth study on this character, and I know I was really blessed by it. So, tonight I want to speak to you all about Jeremiah. So, he was known, if you don't know this, as the weeping prophet. He lived in a time where he was commissioned to speak a very difficult and intense message to the people that he lived around. He was known as the weeping prophet because he, I just said that. (laughs) So weeping prophet, right? You've got Abraham, friend of God. You've got John, which we learned about last week, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And then you have this man who's known for being emotional. And I know if it was me, I would have a few words to say with the people who came up with this phrase, you know, like, why, why the weeping prophet? But I think that it goes to show the heart of Jeremiah because he was called to speak to the people around him because they were consumed with paganism and trusting in their own idols and gods instead of trusting in Yahweh. They had once trusted in God and served him faithfully, but they let the sin of their own hearts cause them to walk away and do what they desired. The source of people's sin was weakness and corruption of their hearts, which Jeremiah constantly referred to as stubbornness of the evil heart. Jeremiah wept for these people because he was their only advocate, and this is why intercession is so important. Though the people that you may be praying for may not want it, they may not be repentant, but they need somebody in their life to be their advocate, to be interceding on their behalf. To intercede is to pray and intervene for someone else. This is what Jesus did for us, so we need to do it for others. Jeremiah prayed for these people even though their hearts were stuck in being stubborn and unrepentant. If you could open your Bibles with me to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 8. It says, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, 
Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Jeremiah didn't understand why he was commissioned to speak such a harsh and intense message, but I think that's what's so important to take from this, is that he didn't understand it, but God didn't ask him to understand it. He asked him to trust in him. He wasn't tasked with giving a good message, but he was told to inform the people of the warning from God. God entrusted Jeremiah enough to give him such a deep and intense message because God equips those who he calls, not when we, not if we think we're worthy enough. It's who God thinks is worthy to speak his words. When I was studying Jeremiah, I was thinking of Moses. And I know this is kind of a strange connection, but Moses told the Lord that he could not speak because he was thought to stutter. And Jeremiah told the Lord that he was too young to speak. It reads in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. And then in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10 through 12, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind. Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and I will teach thee what thou shalt say. Both Jeremiah and Moses doubted that they were capable enough to serve and speak to the lost in their days. We have recently as a church addressed the need to step into spiritual gifts, such as speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues. I know it seems very intimidating, or you may not think that you're the right position to speak out what God has said. But if it's a word from God, it doesn't matter who you are. It matters who needs to receive that message. God gives you the words to say. It's just your obligation to speak it. You might think that you're disqualified to speak into someone's life. But just like Moses and Jeremiah, who are two amazing people who we can learn so much from in the Bible... God isn't asking you to be willing. He's, or he's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to be willing. It's easy to get wrapped up into the idea that we need to have everything in our life figured out before we can be used of God. If you sit around waiting and waiting and waiting to be perfect until you can be used of God, you're going to miss out on so many blessings and opportunities that are only given by God. I am 20 years old, and I know there are a lot of things that I don't have in order. All my ducks are not in a row, and I know there are probably people who are older than me in here that can attest to the fact that you will never be in a place where your life and every aspect of it is exactly where you want it to be. There will always be family drama or stress at work. Or very, very expensive school bills to pay. But don't let those things stop you from being sensitive to the voice of God. 
something that I thought of when I was writing out this message was something that Pastor Pasley used to say to me. And it's a different context, but I think it applies to this. So whenever we were on quiz trips, um, afterwards we would go out, usually to Cracker Barrel, and he would always try to pay for me. And I was like, no, like, don't pay for me. I can do it. And he would say, negative, don't rob me of my blessing. And I think that we can apply that to this because we shouldn't rob somebody of a blessing because we didn't think we could eloquently speak to them. But ultimately, it's not up to us. It's up to God and his word to speak to them. From reading the first chapter of Jeremiah, we can already tell it's going to be a very intense and solemn book. Chapter 1, verse 14 through 16, and then skipping down to 19, it says, Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north, an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord, and they shall come, and they shall set every one on his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against the cities of Judah. And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods, and worshipped the works of their own hands. And then verse 19 says, And they shall fight against thee, thee being Jeremiah, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. The call of God had to be enough for Jeremiah, because his message offended so many people, because it was a message of correction and judgment. Who wants to be told that they need to change things in their life? Or who wants to be told that they're doing something wrong? The call and encouragement that came from God had to be enough because Jeremiah was not going to receive praise from other people. Verse 19 literally says, the people shall fight against Jeremiah because the word he was commissioned to speak was a message of correction. You cannot be dissuaded by people who call you negative or don't receive you the way that you intended them to. Jeremiah kept preaching even though nobody was listening. Chapter 17, verse 23 says, But they obeyed not, neither inclined their ear, but made their necks stiff that they might not hear nor receive instruction. God gave them the opportunity to receive mercy And he used Jeremiah to tell the people that redemption was possible if they sought God for it. And he says in the next few verses, And it shall come to pass, if ye diligently hearken unto me, saith the Lord, to bring in no burden through the gates of the city on the Sabbath day, but hallow the Sabbath day, to do no work therein. Then shall there enter into the gate of this city kings and princes sitting upon the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, They and their princes, the men of Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city shall remain forever. The people of Judah were were living in a constant state of sin, much like our world today. They needed to be made aware of the things that they were doing wrong and how they can turn back to achieve salvation and the plan that God had for them. Judgment is not a negative thing. And mercy, in fact, comes through correction and judgment. How would you know you're doing something wrong if nobody told you? And how would you know how to receive a blessing, how to be blessed, if no one ever revealed that to you? 
This was the heart of Jeremiah's message. It may seem like a depressing message, but it was a message of potential blessing if they chose to want it. God gave them the free will to choose whether they wanted to listen to his message. But with allowing them to have free will, he was also letting them know what would happen and what was to come if they continually lived in sin. At first, I thought this was sort of like an ultimatum, and God was telling the people, repent or else. But with studying more, I saw that it's the opposite of that. It's, in fact, loving correction rather than cruel punishment. Judgment had to come or else these people would send their way into an eternal fire. God loved them enough to do what was difficult in order to show them how to live a life of eternal peace. Jeremiah had a message that may have seemed negative, but it really was a source of hope and an expected end of mercy. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. When Pastor Tom spoke on prophecy this past Sunday, I was getting a little nervous because some of the things he said was what I had written out. And I was like, man, I'm going to have to change some things. But I think that really is confirmation that the Lord has a word for this church and it's time for us to step into that and fulfill what God has for us. And like he said in um, Jeremiah 29, 11, when pastor was speaking on it, we have to be willing to reach for this and seek God. If we willfully choose to seek the Lord, he is faithful to show up in our circumstance. Thank you. She did really good. <laughs> she did really good. Um, but I'm thankful um, that I have a best friend like that. Can I get an amen? Um, so I'm thankful for her, and I'm thankful for Pastor Tom and Pastor Kristen, um, their influence in my life and for this opportunity, obviously. Um, but I want to open with a quick question. Uh, just raise your hand if you reflect. How many of you consider yourself to be very patient? And don't get frustrated, like, really quickly. Like, you, you simmer for a second, and then it builds up, and you're angry, right? Is, are any of you really patient people? Okay, we got, a, we got a couple. I was expecting a couple. Okay. Okay. So you know how Jenna a minute ago was like, this is a, this is a weird connection? Well, I'm here to finish that weird connection for you. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk about a prominent person in the Old and the New Testament, uh, someone who was a little reluctant to new ideas, uh, but knew how to get the job done once he was committed, someone who actually met God, saw God face to face. However, he was also a murderer. He was also the baby of the family. We got any babies of the family in here? Yep, a couple. And he was also the first child mentioned in the Bible to be abandoned. Okay, if you don't know who I'm talking about, let me give you a few more hints. He was very obedient, very patient, very wise, but also insecure, courageous, humble, a little hesitant, doubtful, 
He was also a mediator, a hero, and I would argue a founding father in the Bible. I'm talking about Moses. Nobody's with me yet. Okay? So Moses is known for being extremely obedient compared to a lot of us. However, that obedience didn't come without excuses. So as Jenna mentioned, he believed that he was inadequate, that he didn't know enough, that people wouldn't take him seriously, that he wasn't good with words. And ultimately, at the end, he was like, God, I'm just not willing to do this. I'm just not willing to do what you told me. So Jenna touched on Moses' doubt and worry and also Jeremiah's. And it centered around leading his people due to ultimately his speech impediment. But we find out that he actually had a lot more excuses than his speech impediment. So Moses is known for being patient in many scenarios also. However, getting the Israelites freed from Pharaoh could only have been accomplished through a patient person. And I think we can all agree to that. All the unpatient people like myself who didn't raise your hand, you're like, yeah, that's me. (laughs) Right? So we're going to break down Moses' story really quick. Um, This is Allie's version, paraphrase of the Bible. Um, Exodus 2, 1 through 10. We're going to go through the story of Moses. Moses was born in a time when Pharaoh wanted all baby boys to be killed. His mother was able to hide him from officials for three months. Might I add, that's a very long time. She did very good. But finally, she sent him floating down a river in a very meticulously made basket. The Pharaoh's daughter eventually finds him. I find that very, very ironic (laughs) that she found him, right? But I think this is where the story, Moses' story truly unfolds, is when she draws him out of that water. And she ends up actually naming him Moses, um, which means taken out or drawn forth. And this is kind of a foreshadowment of him drawing the people out of Israel or out of Egypt, the Israelites out of Egypt. So we skip down to Exodus 2, 11 through 15. Several years pass, and Moses is actually caught committing murder. (laughs) So we've skipped quite a bit because he witnessed an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, which was one of his people. He ends up hiding the body in the sand and flees and becomes a shepherd in Midian, later getting married. However, we pause to reflect on this specific note because this act of murder doesn't stop God from saying, I'll still use you, Moses. It's okay. So Exodus 3, 1 through 10, um, I'm actually going to read this part because I see it as the climax of the story. Um, And we find the burning bush, which I'm sure we're all familiar with, but I'm focusing this on Moses' calling. So starting at verse 1, now Moses was tending the flock. Of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he fled the flock to the back of the desert and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn, which I'm sure we would all do. I'm sure we would be like, we're just imagining this in our heads. We're just going to turn around and it's going to go away. But as soon as he turns, God says, Moses, Moses. And right here in this next little portion of scripture, I believe, is Moses' first act of obedience after a series of obedience. And he says, here I am, which I'm sure... Most of us would have just ran by now. We wouldn't have said, here I am. So there we go. Class dismissed. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. 
Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Okay, this is God's dialogue. He has now stopped talking. Moses then proceeds, like most of us would, to lay out every single one of his excuses. He starts at number one, saying, you know what? I don't think I can talk eloquently enough to be able to fulfill what you're calling me to do. And the guy was like, yeah, no. So Moses kept listing excuses. And so in Exodus 3, 13, 14, 13 through 14, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall You shall say to the children of Israel, I am, has sent you to me. In other words, I am, I was, and I will always be. So Moses agrees to actually more than he had planned as as God's plan for his life would continue for years to come, leading the Israelites to the promised land. I'm sure he looked in the beginning and said, okay, I got the children out of Israel. My job here is done. No, it continued on for years more, and throughout the course of his life, Moses actually works alongside God, sending ten plagues on Egypt, turning a snake into a rod, consuming a bush with fire, which he already encountered, breaking rock to produce water not once, but twice, parting the Red Sea, defeating an army, and so much more. Just in this story of Moses, we see so many miracles, and yet the Israelites are still like, meh. I think I would have been like, okay, God, you got it. It is important to note that Moses' brother, Aaron, actually played an important role in Moses' story. Since Moses did have so many excuses, God began to become irritated and finally appointed Aaron as a spokesperson. You know what? I'll give you something, somebody, because I'm tired of hearing your excuses. Um, But Aaron was alongside Moses for the many no's that he would receive in his life. I'm sure for Moses, it constantly felt like a no, no, no. I'm not letting your people go. I'm not letting you do this. I'm not letting you that. And Aaron was there alongside for all the no's that Pharaoh would give. And not only Pharaoh, but even God would tell Moses, no, it's not the right time. So I'd say that to say that we can pull something from this little thing of Aaron, too, to say that God never wants you to walk through life or walk through your calling alone. Make sure you have an Aaron in your life to keep you accountable, to walk beside all the many no's that life is going to throw at you. So as we've noticed, Moses is both passionate, but also very impulsive. (laughs) Fast forwarding to the famous Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, when Moses is on the mountain receiving God's word, God warns Moses that they're actually worshiping a golden idol. Even still, Moses mentally prepares himself a little bit. 
still comes down from the mountain, mad as a hornet, and breaks the tablets that God had just wrote on. He's coming from up on this mountain. God was speaking to him to absolute humanity again of, oh my gosh, you just made me so angry, which I'm sure we've all been there. Praise God. Um, even still, Moses comes down from the mountain. He's angry, but his passion for making sure that God's voice is being heard to not only himself, but to the Israelites, who, I put it, are not the smartest, and they're not the most obedient. And so his passion for this makes him an excellent mediator between God and the Israelites, because the Israelites had no idea what they were doing. If I was Moses, and I had made it past getting the Israelites freed, I would have quit right here when God decided to test Moses with all the Israelites' doubts and questions, concerns, Moses' mediating skills were mastered when the Israelites began to complain day after day, night after night. Now, you parents in here are probably thinking, that sounds very familiar in my household. There's no food in the pantry. You know, you just hear it repeatedly. And Moses and God were getting very irritated. And so they come up with all these complaints. The people complained to Moses that because of him and his talk of the promised land, Pharaoh had made things worse for them. The people complained and said to Moses, just leave us alone. Let us alone. They complained about bitter water. They complained about being hungry. They complained about being thirsty. And after the fifth time, God's like, you know what? I've had enough. After nonstop complaining, God finally had enough and begins to punish his people. After several punishments, the Israelites are then so mad that they want to kill Moses and Aaron. My dad, the person that just freed them from Egypt. However, God entrusted Moses enough to lead his people ultimately in the end. The Israelites may appear to be very irritable people, but we would probably do the same thing if we were in their shoes. You know, Moses, I'm really hungry. I'm really thirsty. Pharaoh already made it worse for us. Why are we out here? There, there's no plan. In fact, we probably wouldn't have what it takes if we were standing in Moses' shoes. Moses had many faults, but he remained obedient to God's voice in the end, with some hesitation at first. Moses was tested with one of the hardest tasks God has ever asked of any individual like you and me. As mentioned by Jeremiah, Moses was known by God before he was formed in the womb, just like all of us. And just like Jeremiah and Moses, we often catch ourselves thinking that we will never be able to do what God is asking of us because of who we were, what we had done, but in reality, we were just doubting what God can do through us. So God pieces this puzzle together in the one piece was the Israelites being afflicted, and the other piece was God recognizing Moses' burden for his people. Moses was a key example of someone who, con who was constantly sensitive to the voice of God. The Israelites depended on him oftentimes more than they depended on God himself. The Bible made it clear that Moses wasn't without frustration. He wasn't perfect. He got mad and he got frustrated at God and the Israelites. However, Moses was always in tune with the voice of God from the very beginning of his calling at this burning bush. Never drift so far away from God's voice that you cannot hear him speak to you. The presence of God is a common theme throughout the book of Exodus and especially in Moses' life. And I believe it is one of the reasons Moses was so obedient to God. 
He always searched for the presence of God and then took action after God had spoken to him. So here's a couple points to take away if you haven't taken anything thus far. Uh, number one, Moses' obedience and patience ultimately molded him to become one of the greatest leaders that we will ever know in the Bible. He may have been a little reluctant, but his obedience to the voice of God is something that we should all model. Two, doubting God and not being willing to obey his commands will lead to many, many detours in your life. If you just listen to God the first way, there won't be any detours. Number three, God can use your burdens and your heart to turn around somebody else's story just as Moses did for the Israelites. Last but not least, God will use faith as small as a mustard seed if we're just willing to tell God, here I am at the burning bush. Amen. What great lessons. What colorful characters for us to discuss now in app time. And so the app time question is, of the two characters presented tonight, which one do you identify with the most? And this could be incriminating and why. All right. Are we ready to discuss? Find somebody around you. Try to include people that are maybe sitting alone. Uh, you can move around if you want to. We'll give you a few minutes here to discuss Jeremiah and Moses. Which one are you the most like?
All right. We'll just uh, conclude your discussions. We'll come together and we'll stand as we go to dismiss this installment of Growth University. I just want to say how proud I am and how excellent both of these lessons were. Would you appreciate our teachers tonight? Wonderful, rock-solid application. I'm so thankful that God's Word does not hide from us the humanity of its players. There is hope for all of us. If that's all you got out of tonight, hallelujah. There is hope for us all. And we need flawed people like Moses and Jeremiah who say, here I am, such as I am. (laughs) And Lord, keep working with me and I'll keep trying. That's all God needs from us is our humility and our willingness. And so I just want to encourage us, if God opens a door, walk through it. You may not get it all right, but he will be there to help you, to coach you. I I think it's so interesting, and I go back to it all the time personally. In John 14, when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, you look up that word that Jesus uses for, for comforter, That word actually means a mentor, a teacher, a coach. God's Spirit doesn't just comfort us when we are sad, but Jesus promised us that his Spirit would teach us, would help us, would empower us. He is a mentor in our lives. Praise God. What better mentor than that? I don't know about you, but I've always wanted a mentor. I'm always looking for somebody. Help me. Teach me. I'm, I'm crazy. I'm messed up. I need God's help. And Jesus is saying, I want to do that for you. Let me be your teacher. Let me be your coach. Trust me in these moments. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. And so if that's the only prayer you have time to pray, Lord, you promised you'd tell me what I need to say. Hold on to that. That promise is for you and I. So let's pray together. And whatever God has challenged you with, maybe reminded you of, would you just commit your ways to the Lord with me as we conclude? God, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to be a part of your church, to be a part of what you're doing in the earth, your plan even beyond our own lives to help other people in their journey, God, in their experiences in your presence. God, you want to speak through us. We want to make ourselves available. But God, like Jeremiah, maybe we we feel like we don't have the experience. Maybe we feel like we're too young in our faith. Like Moses, maybe we feel like we don't know how to say it the right way. We're not eloquent. We're not gifted in that way. Lord, you have made it clear through these characters that it doesn't matter whether or not we feel qualified. All you're asking for is for our willingness, for the humility that depends on your spirit, because it's not by might. It's not by power. It is only by your spirit, your spirit that empowers us, that teaches us what we ought to say. And so, God, I pray that as you open doors for us this week and in the future, we would take you at your word, that you would fill our mouth with your word, and that you would use our lives to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being at Growth University. Greet somebody. 
tell them that you're glad to see them. Wish them well the rest of the week. Lord willing, we'll see you on This Sunday. podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.